0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today's episode of Gear 30 is brought to you by housequiver.com, which is offering you a seriously no-brainer deal on unlimited rentals of premium skis and snowboards, for $99 through the end of the season from brands that you read reviews of all the time on Blister, brands like K2, Icelandic, Faction, and Never Summer. Seriously, I would never say that you're a moron if you don't take advantage of this deal, but if you have a chance to go ski at any of these six epic pass locations, Heavenly, Whistler, Breckenridge, Park City, Vale, or our own beloved Crested Butte, And you don't take advantage of this deal from housequiver.com. Well, I'm just really sorry to say, but you actually might be a moron. I don't know. I'm just just saying. This is how it works. You go to housequiver.com. That's H-A-U-S quiver.com. And join House Quiver for unlimited premium ski and snowboard rentals for $99, again, from brands like K2, Icelandic, Faction, and Never Summer. And just to be clear about this, this means that you pay $99 one time, and you can then rent as many times as you want before the end of the season any of the skis or snowboards that HouseQuiver.com carries, So you now have zero reason to keep skiing on those skis or riding that board that you don't actually really like, or this is your chance to check out some new boards and see what you think. This also means that you now don't have to travel with your own skis or board, and that is rather priceless. So do yourself a favor, go check out housequiver.com, that's H-A-U-S, quiver.com, Get on some cool new skis or boards for a screaming deal, and you can rent those boards right from the House Quiver mobile app, pre-book your gear, and skip the rental shop lines. So go to housequiver.com to download the app and get started. And with that, I'm now going to turn things over to Sam Shaheen.
1: I recently got the opportunity to travel to Cormeyer, Italy to test the new Scott Superguide free tour and the spectacular mountains surrounding Mont Blanc. After several days of big lines and long tours, I came away thoroughly impressed. So in the first half of this conversation, I talked with Rado Oshbacher, Scott's CMO, to talk about the backstory of Scott, the challenges of managing large product lines, and the motivation behind their new line of backcountry skis. Then I talked with Franz Marsan, Scott ski product manager, and we dive deep into the weeds of the new Superguide free tour. You can also watch this conversation on our YouTube channel. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Rado and Franz. Okay, so today we are here in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, I think. Cormier, Italy, sitting right under the amazing Mont Blanc Massif. And we're here to test new product from Scott Sports, specifically some skis. Uh, right now, I'm sitting down with Rado from Scott, and Rado, would you mind just starting by telling a little bit about your role at Scott and how you ended up in that role?
2: Yeah, so first, uh, thanks for uh, having me here. I mean, it's a really great place to uh, present the products. Um, I have quite a quite a long history, you know, with Scott. I started uh, 24 years ago. Uh, at this time it called uh, uh, racing and promotion you know marketing was not even existing like this and um, it was kind of the, the little subsidiary for Scott USA at this time um, obviously we had quite uh, some good decades in the company we were growing and uh, I uh, also could make my way um, two different um, positions in the company from the marketing, head of marketing, um, taking care about uh, the Scott brand. Today we we have several brands at the Scott Sports uh, company with... um, with uh, Scott, with Dolomite, Bergamot Bikes. Uh, and there I'm now taking care really about uh, all the marketing, about all the brands. And uh, one of my really deep passion is um, is the winter sport, the skiing. And uh, since five years, I'm also taking care about the winter sport division. So that's um, what I'm doing today. So I think a lot of people still think of Scott as like this
1: this American... This American company, when in reality now you guys are based here in Europe, can you talk a little bit about the move to Switzerland and how that has affected the company, just in
2: general? You know, we we obviously we we have really strong roots in the U.S. and I mean we really want to stick to them too. I mean we 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 have a over six year history of the brand and um, started with all um, products like Paul's goggles in the U.S. And the U.S. is still for us one of our key markets. And we have uh, still quite a lot of employees also sitting in our uh, office in uh, Salt Lake Um, and also contributing a lot to the brand. So we we see Scott today more as an international company. We also don't start to communicate that we are a Swiss or European company. I think we have... um, Uh, over 20 different nationalities working at Scott. So this gives us also kind of this um, international uh, flavor into the brand. And I think that's also how we look today at the brand. Um, Scott was like until 98, um, based in in the US, then um, we had um, uh, a change of ownership and um, uh, a part of the international management team started to take over Scott. And then there was also the decision to, to have the headquarter in Switzerland. But obviously we have in, in, in most of our uh, major countries, you have our own subsidiaries. So we really have this kind of international global approach with the brand.
1: So the new line that we're here to test out is pretty expansive. You know, boots, skis, packs, apparel, goggles seems to run kind of the gamut. And it seems nowadays that Scott pretty much makes everything that you could imagine in the outdoor industry. How has it been to navigate such uh expansive and expansive product space that covers just about everything?
2: Uh, I mean, it's true. Scott is really involved in, in many different sports. And also, when we start to go in into a sport, we take it really serious. So we have, um, I think this is in the Scott uh, history and in our roots that we always uh, look for new opportunities and we also um, try to evolve. So um, we started with ski poles and then we added uh, goggles. Then we start to go into cycling. Um, obviously, we saw that um, today as just a brand focusing on one product group. I think it's um, becoming very difficult to survive in this uh, market environment. As well, we, we always have kind of, we followed a little bit our passion. We, we started to do products where we like to do, where we have also the knowledge, where we have um, people which are really deep into the products. Um, like we have professional cyclists, we have pro uh, skiers, uh pro, pro moto sport guys you know taking care about the uh, product development uh brown uh, about brand management and i think this is really at the end what's key to be uh also authentic and to make sure that you can uh, deliver the products which are really on 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 the highest standards and i think uh there at scott we always followed our mission with innovation technology design so we We always put the product in front. For us, this was always kind of the starting point. You know, we we tried to find um, a better solution how to do a product. We tried to find uh, um, new innovations. We tried to find also, um, you know, um, giving reasons why to to do the sport, why to use these products. And I think this was kind of a, a strategy which really worked very well. I think there's also another aspect, I think, which today is uh, quite important also to be business-wise successfully. Um, with this um, product portfolio, we can cover the whole year round. We are not just only in winter sport or in in summer sport. Um, we we are independent from seasonalities. We are independent from um, geographically. I mean, with, with uh, running shoes, with uh, cycling, you can go also to countries which don't have mountains. Um, so I think this is also for sure a reason which helped us a lot to grow the company in the past uh, two decades.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me just how expansive every th- the brand is. I mean, my the first road bike I ever owned was a Scott road bike. And i now using Scott skis to traverse glaciers and wearing Scott eyewear to protect my eyes and all these things. Um, I think there are very few companies out there doing as much as you guys are Um, In terms of breadth of equipment, do you see that? I mean, I think you kind of touched on this, but do you see that more as a business strategy decision or is it is it more like you want to have a hand in all of these different things that you guys love to do?
2: I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, to to stay in business, you always need to have a business strategy obviously. On the other hand, I have to say there's a a lot of today's brand structure and strategy is based on on our C- CEO's vision. Uh Biatsuki is a he's involved with the company for over 30 years and he was really driving kind of this um uh, strategy to to start um, new products, to start new sports, to to always go further. I mean, he is such a passionate person, and and uh, uh, so much um, also personally involved into the sport. And I think for him, kind of the business is is uh, is not always his first thought. I think sometimes he's also really a risk taker and says, "Hey." Guys, let's go for it. I mean, he really also motivates us all the time. You know, um, if there is um, if there are projects uh, which are which are super innovative but really also risky, he he never minds that we go forward, that we explore, that we um, um, also try to find uh, new solutions in products. And I think this became really to a to a company culture, yeah. and helps to drive us also forward. And I think. It's not that we feel we we can do everything. I think um, there we we always stick clearly to sports, with uh, cycling, with uh, winter sports, skiing, um, running, and motorcycle, where we have really our roots, where we also have uh, a deep knowledge. We for us it was never a question to go into, let's say for example golf or something. We we which was a trend or. Or, or sometimes a demand but we don't have kind of a passion or we don't have really an under deep understanding of the sport so there we have really kind of clearly also our limits where we want to go with the brand
1: so it seems like the next logical step or the next logical product for you guys to make in my eyes at least are um ski touring bindings are we ever going to see a scott
2: ski touring binding uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, we—it's actually something we we looked quite uh, deeply into it. I mean, we we look always for new opportunities. On the other side, we we also try to be quite realistic. You know, what can we do? What we can really bring something new to the market? I mean, it would be kind of easy to take an existing binding and rebrand this but this is not at all the scott strategy so just to just to do a product to do a product i think there we don't really see um, um, the strategy and the sense also for scott so um, of course we like to have complete product portfolios but so far there is no um, real strategy in this direction so at least you know you won't see it this year and you won't see it next year
1: Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. That kind of is a little bit illuminating of the way you guys see the binding market, because um, I think there's kind of two main things going on in bindings right now. Obviously there's, you know, these charging, Solomon shift Marker Tecton, Frischi Tecton rather, this new Duke PT for Marker next year. There's, you know, that category and then there's the pin category. And so it seems like from your guys' perspective that that pin category is more or less saturated or
2: or perfected would you say that i mean for sure we believe into this um pin binding market i think we see there um really that this evolved a lot in the past five years and it made it more accessible for um consumers also for a broader consumer base um for example with the fridge Tekton adding some uh, safety into it i think that's something we really like to see because this makes also uh pin bindings more accessible for for a broader audience um what you also see is kind of a you need you need a lot of know-how to do bindings i think you need a lot of uh it's a very technical product Uh, there's a lot of testing uh, there's a lot of certifications needed so we're also there a little bit realistic you know about you know what can we do and also um, is there something we could do better than the others and i think there today we clearly prefer to focus on those products which we have um i can believe you know when when the comfort and i think the comfort is always connected between binding and and the shoe is uh, continuing to go in this direction, what we saw already in the past uh, uh, years. Um, starting with the boots, you know, having rubbers on the sole, having uh, the comfort of a walking mechanism, having um, uh, the step in comfort, which was for many years, a little bit kind of an issue and which probably also um, kept uh, people away from uh, pin bindings. I mean, when we see there still kind of an evolution, I believe the pin binding market can still growing also in the future. and. Generally, this comes also with the trend that people want to have the option to to walk sometimes, to have the option to do uh, kind of a ski touring, to do ski mode, to, you know, all these different varieties what we see today in, in, uh, in the touring um, segment. And I think this is uh, for us still a segment we believe also can grow in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really appreciate that outlook because I feel like a lot of companies are going into these various segments just to have that complete product portfolio rather than really adding something to the market. I mean, there are a lot of pin bindings out there that are basically essentially the same as their, as their neighbor. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about the new line of stuff. Like we talked about, it's pretty expansive. It's apparel, it's skis, it's boots, it's airbags. Can you talk a little bit about the motivation behind creating this new line and some of the things that you wanted to improve on from previous iterations of these products. Uh,
2: so you know, there probably I hear there are two questions. I mean, one is uh, there's always an investment behind, it. and I think that uh, comes back to the culture and 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 the strategy of um, of the management in the company. And I think this was uh, always, you know, open to invest into new products. I think we that's what we believe in. That's also kind of what drives the company so i think there we never really um halt back on to invest into new products to to really look for better um details and solutions on the other side i think we we um shifted the the um, i'm talking now especially uh, specifically about the winter collection more into this whole touring Uh, free skiing uh, free riding free touring I mean there's a lot of combinations you can do uh, where we see still um, uh, a strong market where we see people really investing into products it's not only a rental market but also, you know, where people are really also interested about um, technology, about uh, innovation, about products. I think when you um, use your gear for ski touring, um, you definitely have a different need and a different demand on, on a product than if you just go for, for a day rental skiing. And I think that's something um, uh, we, we definitely see also as an opportunity for Scott.
1: So in specific specifically to the new line, um, there's a lot of a lot of focus on that kind of free touring aspect. It seems like is that a market that you see? Because obviously, in, in North America, we've seen this market, you know, growing and perhaps peaked already. Like it's it's very much a thing, but it seems to be sort of a, a burgeoning market here in Europe. Would you characterize that as true?
2: Uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I'm not sure if it's peaked or not. Um, I'm definitely we saw also in the past. 10, 15 years that this was really a growing market um i still believe even when the market is not anymore so fast growing but uh, if you come out with uh, with strong products with really uh, innovative products there's always a market for a brand so we we don't have there any problem to be in competition with uh, with other brands and also um fight some for some market share i think at the end of the day there is almost all sport markets are somehow saturated and there is a kind of a competition going on. And I think uh, at the end of the day, also a lot of uh, innovation and, and um, product development helps to, to develop or to gain some market share. Great. Um, well, we're going to go
1: a little bit in depth into the product itself, but we're going to bring in the direct product manager for the lines, I think, for that. So thank you so much for your time, Rado, And I think we're gonna tag team swap out here now.
2: Yeah, thanks also from our side. Um, it was really good to have you here and also to give you uh, an in-depth uh, view behind the scene of Scott and give you kind of the opportunity also to test uh, our products and experience this uh, in probably one of the nicest mounds what you can offer here in Europe. Well, yeah, and thank you for having me. I these mountains never cease to
1: just absolutely blow my mind and inspire and keep me up at night and all the things that, uh, that, that really special experiences do. So yeah, thank you for that. I, I I appreciate that, but let's dive into some skis. Great. So now we have from Scott, the ski product manager, right? That's, that's your title. Franz Marsan. right? Yeah. Did I do okay with that? Don't don't speak French. (laughs) No problem. I will do my best in English. Good, good, good. We appreciate it. Um, So let's talk skis a little bit. So I don't know if you're familiar with this, but at Blister, we, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, a a little while back, we did a podcast where we all talked about our least favorite gear, the gear that we like the least. And one of the pieces of gear that I talked about was and i'm sorry to say the old version of the super guide the super guide 105 the yellow one
0: yeah
1: um i really really did not get along well with that ski and so i was really excited to come out here and try the new skis and see what you guys came up with and i have to say like initial impressions i've skied the ski now four days uh four pretty long days like i've got a lot of time on it i'm pretty impressed the first thing that really strikes me about this ski is the weight so the super guide 105 the previous version of the ski we measured at let me make sure i get this right average of 1564 grams 1564 grams yeah. um per ski and the new ski granted we have i haven't weighed it for all those blisters aficionados we will get a pair and we will weigh it flat but the catalog weight for you guys that you're listing is 1610 grams so about 50 grams heavier can you talk a little bit about the motivation behind adding a little bit of weight to it and where that weight was actually added in, in, in the ski or how that weight was added into the ski?
3: Okay, so when we start redeveloping these new skis, uh, we get feedbacks from athletes, from a uh, press magazine, and also the user uh, that are using the ski. And um, one thing that was missing a bit in that ski, it was a bit of length. So also the the length change. So that's one also one reason that the, the weight changed.
1: Right, so it went from, the old one was 183, right? Yeah. And the new l- long length is 185. Exactly. Correct, yeah.
3: Yeah, so we adjust the dimension of the ski. So that's one reason that the ski is uh, not lighter or a bit heavier, but also a lot of different elements change into the ski. But uh, we were not like focusing on going more, uh, l- a lot lighter than the previous version. Our goal was really like um, you have felt that during that day in Courmayeur that we have committed uh, athletes and guides and want, they really want something that performs. So the weight was not the, the main target of this new development. Uh, so we we define the shape we define the material but we are not like okay we need to dis- to do something lighter than the previous one we need something that perform well and we are not like focusing on the weight of the ski but much more on the performance
1: excellent so um it strikes me just when you see the ski the first thing that you see there's a big difference in the in the way that the ski looks the old ski had this this like large kind of elliptical shape on the top and a kind of narrow side cut, and the 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 current ski, the the, the new um, free, it's called the Free Tour. Exactly, yeah. The new Free Tour feels much more like a traditional sandwich construction. You know, it's a full height sidewall the whole length, and there's yeah. much less of this elliptical shape. Um, how did you guys make make that decision to move sort of away from that kind of unique construction that you used to have into the more traditional construction of the ski now?
3: Yeah, so the goal with um for sure, we, there is benefits with this elliptical uh, construction in terms of weight reduction and uh, swing weight a little bit, but uh, you are decreasing the sidewall uh, height of the, of the ski and sometimes and um, you are losing a bit of control or power or transmission with a, with a lower sidewall. So with this new generation, we want to really focus at... Uh, the ski perform well in hard snow. Uh, that's ski destinated for uh, alpine skiing, steep couloir also. And uh, we need a perfect uh, power transmission into the, the edges. So we were like, okay, we need to increase the sidewall. So let's reduce uh, the elliptical uh, volume of the ski. I, I think it's, uh, it's uh, lo- the ski looks like uh, most um, stable at the same time and uh, with a... Um, still a little bit of elliptical on the side but less than before yeah so the focus was really into the performance of the ski and and the design should give this uh precision to the ski with a higher sidewall
1: yeah it's really interesting so i I got to ski the ski a few days before talking to anyone at scott or getting a product rundown or anything i just picked the ski up and we went to go ski some big mountains in switzerland a few valleys over and uh so the first thing is this, the pair of skis that I got was mounted with marker kingpins, which is a pretty a pretty burly touring binding. But I was kind of shocked when I found out the weight you guys are claiming, that 1610 weight, because the ski feels heavier to me. And that, that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the ski feels, I mean, I, b- b- before we got here in Cormier, I was guessing about 1700 grams in my head. Yeah. It felt like about 1700. It's because the suspension of the ski is really impressive. And that's something that we don't really have often in the touring world. Like usually yeah. a lightweight ski ski is pretty light, and a heavy ski ski is better and yeah. ski's heavy. How did you guys approach the suspension of the ski to to create what I think is a pretty big leap from the old version that didn't feel heavy at all? Yeah. You know, definitely yeah. there's a lot of feedback and it was it was nervous feeling and things like that to this new ski that really does
3: ski pretty, pretty heavy for its, for its weight, for its weight. Yeah. So, um, like we change really the wood core. And uh, for me, that's really the motor of the ski. That a lot of elements of the skiability of the ski is coming from the core. And here we, we switch from a pure Polovnia wood core construction to a, a new wood core construction where we mix uh, a That's uh, one of the stronger uh, wood that is, a. Uh, Using in the ski industry with three slices, so very uh, small, uh, It's almost two millimeters uh, all along the, the wood core, and this really bring uh, yeah energy and uh, and um, like uh, power to the ski. We try like with different. At the beginning, we start with five size slices, but we got a ski that was a, a bit too uh, too stiff and uh, too. Um, Feel too heavy with not uh, enough response, so that's really like a process when you learn step after step. But this good mix of uh, of wood, I think that's where coming from the the stability and the power of the ski.
1: Another reason I think that the old ski felt so kind of chattery and harsh yeah. was because it was so stiff. That old ski was incredibly stiff. We, it, 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 it was one of the stiffest touring skis, if not the stiffest touring ski we've ever tested at Blister. And the new ski is still pretty stout. There's some strength to it. You can push the ski pretty hard, but it's nowhere near as stiff, especially in the tips and tails. Is stiffness something that you guys think about in relation to suspension? Because it's something that we see that softer skis tend to have better suspension than stiffer skis weight for weight.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, another big evolution we did bef- uh, between the old and the new SuperGuide is uh, carbon fiber. Before we are using the carbon uh, matrix um, fibers, that really makes the ski very stiff, very stable, but you don't get a lot of uh, responsiveness with that kind of fibers. So when you say a matrix, this is—is
1: is this that kind of? Cross hatching pattern that you could see through the top sheet, like right. basically stringers
3: running at forty five degrees. Exactly. Yep. And on this new version, we we go back to uh, um, pure str- uh, carbon stringers. And um, when we compare these two kind of fibers, we really have like very two kind of different stability and uh, like the ski feel much more alive uh, when you are using this new fiber. So, um, like like when you develop skis. It's always evolution, comparison between uh, different versions. And uh, I think that's also a reason that the ski have a very different scalability compared to the old one is this switch from a carbon matrix, 45 degrees, to carbon stringers. So that's really interesting. Um, So
1: I'm a mechanical engineer um, and thinking about the way those stringers are going through the ski, one of the things that strikes me is when you go with longitudinal traditional stringers versus this sort of matrix like pattern of the old ski, it seems like you're going to get less torsional stiffness. And we see, we test a lot of skis. And one of the things that, that I've kind of like that I've hypothesized and, you know, we ski a lot of skis that feel this way is that the less torsional stiffness of a ski that this, that a ski has the better the suspension is right. Like if a ski is really torsionally stiff, it can feel incredibly harsh and you know unforgiving and kind of punishing and demanding um so especially in touring skis i tend to like skis that i think have a little bit less torsional stability is that something that, that you guys see but be- change between the skis these two skis
3: so i'm not an engineer mechanical so i will not make like <laughs> a pure argument on this uh but that's something we feel when we make a test comparison so um, yeah, really. Like the first proto, we say, okay, let's keep the same construction, just switch the carbon fibers, and we have like really a different uh, feelings. Um, what's really specific when you develop skis is uh, all the theory are not working perfectly. You know, like you have like lot of uh, yeah, sensibility yeah. when you develop skis, feelings, and um, there is a lot of good ski on the market, but for different, we we are a lot of different consumers, we have a lot of different levels. So everyone has his own opinion about um, like uh, each skis and that's really the beauty when you develop skis. And I think like, yeah, as you were saying, like a bit less uh, torsional uh, rigidity into the ski, makes the ski a bit, yeah, with more suspension, a bit more control, and uh, that's something I think it's a good direction and a good evolution for our, our products.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, <laughs> and it's been good because we've been skiing some pretty bad snow. Yeah. So to have to have a little bit better suspension out of the ski these past few days has been important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So one of the things that I also real have really been appreciating about this new ski, and something I didn't really understand about the old ski, maybe you can help explain a little bit of this, is the side cut radius. So you guys are calling it. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're calling it this the same kind of idea. This 3D this 3D side cut radius. Can you explain kind of what that concept means and how the side cut has changed between the
3: old ski and the current ski or the new ski rather? So um, during like 15 years, there was an iconic uh, product manager at Scott, uh, Hervé Manin, who died uh, like uh, two two years ago. And he was really like uh, the man behind all the Scott ski collection. And he was developing these three dimension uh, side cuts. And um, this was made for like a shorter radius under the feet and a bit longer on the front and uh, uh, on the tail of the ski to get a bit more versatility. That's something like um, we got the feeling that's not very easy to understand, but um, like working on the side cut of the ski can bring a lot of uh, different uh, skiability and uh, versatility into the product. So um, this is something we have in our ski... Uh, DNA. That's something we want to stick for because uh, let's make a, a Skotski a bit different from the other of the market. So we make an evolution compared to the old one and the uh, and the new one uh, with uh, still having a longer radius uh, under the the feet, a uh, shorter radius under the feet. Sorry, a bit longer on the tip and the tail. But we really pay a lot of attention during those trans um, transmission or transition between a shorter and longer radius. Um, when you are on the edge. Um, you have kind of different. Um, you can be slow on the edge, so you 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 are more using the tip and the tail uh, side cuts. Or when you have more power, or you are going more into the snow, you are more into the the short radius uh, that you have under the feet. And um, like spending time of having very smooth transition give versatility to the ski. So it's something we have in our k- uh, KD Charge, so tech files when we develop uh, skis, because we want to stick to this uh, kind of scab- Scott scalability and sc- Scott um, performance. And uh, we adjust them a little bit to have something, I would say, not to reduce th- this uh, different radius, but to have something that is really smooth in between those uh, three radius that we have. Uh, on the ski when we design it.
1: Okay, so one of the things that when you just look at the skis, you would compare them side by side is the the taper, specifically in the tip. There's a considerable amount more taper in the new free tour. Granted, that comes with the huge caveat that the old super guide had almost no tip taper at all. Um, do you... Do you see the 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 tip shape and the tip taper along with the the tail shape as are are those things that you design in concert with the side cut of the ski, or do those things kind of end up independent and and, and mesh together in a different way?
3: Yeah, so um with the 105 underfoot, you are more targeting to ski in powder. So the taper is really helping helping you to be able to bring your ski in the direction you want. If you have a very less taper, like the tip is kind of heavy on the snow, you have big pressure and it's like uh, not so easy to, uh, to have good maneuverability of your ski. So um, yeah, adding some taper on the ski, it's really smooth. It's not something we are like a five uh, dimension side cut with a lot of um, taper, but that's bringing for me more maneuverability into the powder. And that's yeah, that makes the ski uh, more fun to ski for that kind of uh, product with 105 on the foot.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the old ski, the lack of taper really was kind of a challenge a lot of times. One of the things that we see, especially in a ski that had a traditional mount point and that was relatively long in a over 180 length, you have a lot of torque out there when like something hits the edge way out in front of your binding, right? So. The ski had like this kind of tendency to hook up a little bit, right? Like if, if, if you hit like a patch of snow out there or whatever, like that that tip really wanted to engage because it didn't have any taper. And the new ski feels a lot more comfortable in funky, variable snow, which we've skied a lot of in the past few days.
3: Um, so I, I, I do think that that is a that's that's an overall improvement. Um, when we were speaking with Sam Cohn, one of our athletes, he was always removing the edge on the old ski on the t- on the tip to have this uh, like taper effect. Yeah. So we say, okay, we will not ask our consumer to remove the edge uh, on the tip. <laughs> that's not what we want. So that's where it comes from a little bit. And things uh, think that, like if you feel the benefits of it, uh, we are happy to eat.
1: Well, we've we've been skiing with Sam for the past few days, and. Uh, yeah, I think he likes the new skis. He he didn't take the the edge out of the tip. It looks to be intact. So, <laughs> that's good. The other thing that's really I don't want to say that it's unique in the market for the for the new free tour, but it's not the norm for this width class is the camber profile that you guys have. The ski has very little tip and tail rocker compared to a lot of other skis in this 105-ish range width class and in that sense, I do think that, you know, this is going to be a much more um, confidence-inspiring ski on firm snow and, you know, like shallower variable snow. But can you talk a little bit about why you guys didn't put a lot of rocker in the tip or tail of the Free Tour
3: 105? Uh, we have the chance to have different ski ranges. So we have our f- free ride families, the Squapper skis, where we have a lot of tip and tail walker, and we don't want to offer like very similar products. So those super guide family is like much more mountaineering or anything. So a bit more, yeah, we want to have a bit more grip and comfort, stability. And for those who enjoy uh, something more playful, uh, we have our squapper line. So we have like two different options and we will not to do the same ski uh, like just do a squapper with a super g- guide name on it that's not our, our, our goal and um, we have been spending a lot of time to compare um, still the scrapper family uh, with a lot of competitors and uh, with athletes with guides and um, they are super happy to have different kind of products you know and uh, that makes the ski complementary in our offer so that's why we have uh, not been going from a classic and flat tail and uh, slightly walker in the front, from the super guide family to something uh, too close to our squapper family. Sure, yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so,
1: although I haven't gotten to ski the super guide ninety five, the new one, um, can you talk a little bit about that ski? Because I, th- I think our listeners will 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 be very curious to hear about the narrower ski. Because for me, honestly, a ski of this shape and the way that they, the way that it feels probably makes more sense as like a mountaineering ski and that 95 width I think a lot of people will 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 jive with that pretty well. Can you talk a little bit about the Superguide 95 in comparison to
3: the 105? Yeah, so for sure the the width is uh very different and also we change the radius to have some a uh, smaller radius underfoot. So on the Guide Free Tour we are 24 and uh Supergain 9521, so something a bit more versatile, maybe much easier to turn around. And uh, what we have really identified specifically in Europe is that the guy who were before buying like a touring ski just for touring, now they are using that pair of ski to also go to resort and to have like a, one ski setup a bit. And uh, so we really wanted with that ski to be able to, uh, to ski any kind of snow and also to be very agile on slope and fun to ski with this stability. Uh, before, uh, like touring ski, were always too light to go on slope. I think with this uh, super guide ski 95, you have one ski to uh, to enjoy the mountain even in resort and uh, touring couloir. That's really really what we were looking for. A 105 is uh, something a bit uh, wider for better skiers to go also into powder. Um, it's another audience for us a little bit.
1: And uh, just for people who are curious listening, uh, the Superguide 95 in a 184 length is coming in at 1500 grams per your guys' claimed weight. We'll get a ski. We'll measure the crap out of it like we always do. But that's coming in at a pretty, pretty competitive weight for some other skis that we really like in this category. Like, for instance, the Solomon Mountain Explorer 95, which has been kind of, at least at Blister, sort of our, you know, comparison ski, our, 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 our gold standard of excellent skis in this waist category. So I'm excited to get a pair of the 95s back home and go put them head to head against the mountain explorer. But we have to wait a few, a few months probably for that back home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I feel like I should give you a chance to talk a little bit about the boots. Now, unfortunately, you guys don't have a sample size boot for me. I've got little tiny, little tiny feet and wear a 25. Um, so I haven't worn the new touring boot that you guys have but do you want to talk a little bit about about the ideas behind the boot and what consumers can expect next year when they see it on on shelves
3: yeah so at scott we are really happy to launch this new free guide ski boots uh, it will complete our offer which targeting a more free touring uh, segment uh this boots is um as all the scott ski boots very easy to step in step out like comfort is key for us uh really when we step in into the boots is like a as easy to step in as uh, back entry uh, ski boots. That's something like that's, really... that's a strong claim. That's a strong claim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, like all the guys who have tenting, even if you forgot the boots in your car in early morning, you can step in, and that's something uh, very crucial. Um, we have the kind of uh, uh, cabrio hybrid cabrio construction. So we have um, a tongue in the front, a two part tongue that gives a lot of. Um, uh, walkability to the boots, but also with a good overlap to get this performance. So this boot is made with uh, three buckles, uh, integrated uh, walk mechanism, uh, Skywalk uh, rubber soles that, uh, that are that uh, are um, ISO touring, and um, yeah, we say that the flex is one thirty because it's our stiffer boots uh, in our offer. Um, so for me, uh, I'm coming more for the alpine side, and for those who are like used to alpine ski boots. They will enjoy like the performance of, uh, of these touring ski boots with a lot of comfort and um, very easy handling with uh, like 180 buckles to switch from uh, walk to ski mode. And um, at the same time, it won't be the best boots for walkability. There are other boots that are better, but you have a very good compromise between comfort, walkability and performance. So uh, as soon as we receive our uh, twenty five fun uh, five samples, <laughs> we will be happy ap- ap- that you test it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to try it. Um, you know, I've been putting a lot of time in the Mistrali XT Scarpa's new yeah. boot, and it, the construction of the boot seems very similar. You know, they in, in that XT there's there's kind of there's there's a, there's a tongue that goes under the overlap part. I, th- I would call it exactly hybrid cabrio. Yeah. Um, and I've been really liking that boot. I don't think your boot is supposed to be quite as stiff as the XT. I mean, the XT is supposed to be like it's a really, yeah. really stiff boot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I've really liked the way that XT feels. There's definitely some of that, like some of that plush suspension that you get out of a two piece boot, um, with with all the weight and the walkability and all those things of of, of, of a good touring boot. So um, yeah, we're we're excited to, to try it out. Um, it, talking to some of the other people who have been here in Kormair skiing, I know they've, they've, they've quite enjoyed it. Um, for people who might be kind of planning out their next ski touring boot purchase, can you talk a little bit about the fit of the boot? Um, like what's, what's the last width and, and some, some, some fit considerations?
3: Yeah. So uh, the last is a 101.5 millimeters. So it's kind of a, a large, uh, last. But um, you have a Boa inner liner, so you can be really close to, uh, to your foot and you have a very good power transmission. We are using like uh, carbon fiber into the shell with a uh, guillamid for all the other elements. So that makes the boots light. It's uh, 1,300 grams. And um, yeah, sorry, I'm lost. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. For, for those of you listening to the podcast
1: who maybe can't see out the window here, we're sitting right at the base of Mont Blanc and there's a, a helipad just just outside the window here. So a helicopter just came through, in case you're wondering what that what that sound might might have been. <laughs> but sorry, we were talking about the the weight of the new boot yeah. and the BOA, the BOA liner, I think.
3: Yeah. yeah. So that's make the boots very comfortable, but with a good performance. And really for us, it's a new generation of Scott ski boots that's preparing also the future. We have like a, a big touring offer with Cosmos Celeste ski boots and that will coming uh, in, in the next year with that kind of evolution with a large power strap, with a, very comfortable last and uh, with new uh inner liner solution. So it's really like a, a first piece of the new ski boots uh, Scott generation.
1: So it sounds like it sounds like the new boot if someone has a wider foot, you know, say like maybe the zero the Technica 0G is going to be too narrow or the Mountain Lab or even if the Mistrali might be a little too narrow, um, this might be a boot to consider for next year. Exactly. Okay. I'm excited to get in in the boot um and just see how it stacks up. There are so many good touring boots on the market right now. You guys have a high bar to meet. Um, you know, that G is so good. The Mistralis are excellent. The Mountain Lab still holds up pretty well. Sorry, the S-Lab Mountain, they're calling it now. So yeah, definitely excited to do that. Excited to get out in the 95 and really happy to have skied a bunch on the free tour, the, the, the new 105, like I said. Um, my initial impressions, I'm really impressed by the ski and I'm excited with what you guys did. But I wanted to thank you guys for having me out here. I want to thank you for coming and sitting down and chatting with us. And uh, to our listeners out there, stay tuned to the website. We'll have more detailed information on these skis as they start rolling into HQ. But for now, I think we're going to go out and go ski touring, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, Yeah, so thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Gear 30. Thanks to Rado and Franz for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying these Gear 30 episodes, please spread the word to your gearhead friends. Be safe out there and we'll talk to you again next week.